Hello, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. This week, we are focusing on the Turnbull government's attack on the unemployed. Recent figures are showing that Australia is turning into the part-time employment nation. While the Federal Minister for Industrial Relations, Michaela Cash, is on record celebrating this fact, many working Australians are increasingly finding themselves unable to meet financial commitments. Add to this the increasing push by employers in the industrial and resources sectors to halve salaries and conditions and the non-compliance of many franchises and hospitality outlets, we have a volatile industrial relations mix where the Turnbull government just seems unable to balance the interests of working people and the big end of town. Nowhere is this more evident than its handling of the plight of the unemployed. Since squeaking back into government, the Turnbull government seems to have decided that kicking people who are already down in the head is the best way to go. It has decided to shave off another $8 from the New Start allowance, which is already far below the poverty line. More about that later. But first, some union news. The case against the Federal Government and Peter Dutton's 2015 decision to exempt workers on vessels in the offshore oil and gas industry from visa requirements had the High Court unanimously ruling against the Federal Government last week. The MUA, one of two unions waging the case, has hailed the victory as a win for local jobs and will prevent the exploitation of foreign workers in the offshore oil and gas industry. The court has ruled that federal government measures to allow foreign labour on offshore facilities are invalid. There's thousands of Australian seafarers who earn their living in the Australian offshore oil and gas industry and this decision confirms their rightful place to continue to work as they have done for many, many years now, said Will Tracy, the MUA's Deputy National Secretary. The MUA has called the government's desire to make foreign workers on the offshore rigs visa exempt shows hypocrisy when it comes to the government's hard push for national border protection. Before we leave this important story, you might like to compare the headlines from the different media outlets. The Australian said, High Court rules against visa exemptions for offshore oil and gas workers. The Guardian, Maritime workers say High Court win on foreign visas will protect local jobs. Australian Financial Review, High Court ruling first setback for Turnbull government. Says it all, really. The first week in Parliament, a Turnbull nightmare, but maybe not for the rest of us. The government failed to pass three pieces of legislation in its first week because it seems three coalition MPs, including Dutton, left the chamber at the crucial time 
presumably thinking that question time was over and that Parliament was about to be adjourned for the week. That meant Labor and Independents had the majority and they used this to immediately vote to defeat the adjournment motion and call for debate on the legislation calling for a Royal Commission into the banking sector that had passed the Senate on Thursday morning. Dutton and his fellow absentee Christian Porter finally came back in time to give the government the necessary numbers to adjourn the debate, which will now be waiting for them when Parliament resumes on September the 12th. So it's not a dead issue. Other issues that failed, the plebiscite into marriage equality. The Nick Xenophon team joined the Greens in confirming that they wouldn't support the necessary enabling legislation for the coalition's same-sex marriage plebiscite as it stands, meaning that now its fate is in the hands of Labor, who have made clear they don't support it. Thirdly, Chris Bowen, Sheridan Treasurer, pointed out that Morrison, that's the Treasurer's figures for Morrison's omnibus budget-saving bills, was found to be out by a very embarrassing $107 million. This is the uh, legislation that is going to attack people who are some of the poorest people in Australia the attack on the welfare payments to people as uh, new start people and people of that sort, which we'll be talking about shortly in this program. While the coalition are constantly pointing out the deficits of others, this does, of course, underline or imply a certain lack of competency. And just a little uh, an aside, really, When it comes to social justice issues, the offshore detention area. Uh, Last week, Wilson Security, which has had a uh, campaign against it, Boycott Wilson's, you may be aware, Wilson Security will withdraw from refugee detention centre industry once their contract finishes in 2017 following a similar announcement from Ferroviel, new owners of Broad Spectrum previously Transfield, which means the government's angrily reiterated commitment to offshore detention now has an exciting new challenge, finding anyone who will actually take the contract. Stick together. 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 You're listening to Stick Together on Community Radio. You're on Stick Together with Annie McLaughlin, produced at 3CR Melbourne and distributed by the Community Radio Network. As we have already mentioned, Scott Morrison, the Treasurer, is having some headaches introducing further cuts to the Newstart Allowance The irony of the name Newstart is not lost on Owen Bennett from the Unemployed Workers' Union when we spoke about the cuts the Coalition want to make. Owen. It's a national disgrace, really, when you you think about what the Newstart has been like for the past pretty much 30 years. It's always been way below the poverty line and it's always been a big issue. Like It's the eternal issue, really. 
how low Newstart is. And it's getting so low that even people like the Business Council of Australia are calling for an increase. So it's, um, it, it was quite a shock to a lot of people when the Turnbull government said that they're going to cut what's called the energy supplement, which is um, something they introduced when the carbon tax was around to try and uh, um, compensate people for the extra costs with the carbon tax, apparently. So it's about $5 per week or $4 per week. It, it depends on, um, on your income. When, when Parliament resumes, that will be um, one of the first bills um, proposed by the coalition. What's really shocking about this, you know, if, if it gets passed, it gets passed through the, the lower house and the upper house, but if it does get passed, what it actually means is that people on Newstart will actually be worse off had there not been a carbon tax at all, because it's, it's kind of a complicated question, but um, because the energy supplement was introduced, the, the indexing, Newstart is indexed to the uh, consumer price index. So what happened was that the indexing was lower than it would have been if there was no energy supplement because the, because the payment was higher. So they indexed it lower as a result. So then if they get rid of this, this energy supplement, Newstart is going to be much lower, e- even below um, the normal increases of inflation, which are already too low. I mean, the fact that Newstart is, is pegged only to inflation is a, is a massive issue some listeners would be interested to know that um, it was Fraser who actually, Malcolm Fraser, who changed the indexing rate. He, he changed Newstart indexing from real wages to inflation. And as a result, it just declined and declined and declined. And at, at the same time, he, he kept the age pension to, to real wages. That, that They used to be the same, disability support pension and Newstart. They used to be exactly the same. But then we changed the indexing rate, put Newstart at a inflation, and he put DSP at real wages, and then you've seen a massive gap. About a, it's about a three hundred dollar gap now, and that's just going to keep on increasing until the government does something about this. Problem. So, so what you're saying is it's like a, a, a pea and uh, shell game that they're doing, where they use words like inflation, they use a whole range of concepts that perhaps people on the ground find really difficult to juggle and understand, but. Ultimately, it's the dollars and cents, food on the table, and in fact, people's sense of uh, worth that's at stake, isn't it? That's right. I mean, the, the bottom line is that no politician ever really talks about is that Newstart at the moment is three hundred and ninety dollars per fortnight below the poverty line, and that's that's just the elephant in the room that no one wants to address. And it's just um, the, the whole basis of, of the low rate of Newstart is to try to keep people, you know, sort of an incentive to go get work. It's like this really big stick they try to hit unemployed people with and say, you know, you can't survive on this benefit, so you've got to go out and get work. Well, the problem is at the moment, I mean, that's a problem in and of itself, but it becomes an even bigger problem when you consider that there are no jobs. And, you know, according to the government's own statistics, there are 18 job seekers competing for every job vacancy. So... When you put those things together, the lack of jobs and the low rate of new start, what the government is doing is just condemning 800,000 people who are living on, on new start um, to a life of poverty. And, and, and there's, it's, it's a one-way ticket to poverty in a lot of cases. I mean, the average time of unemployment because of the, of, of the lack of jobs is about four years. So here you've got people who are being forced they're being forced to live in a life of poverty. This is extreme poverty. I mean, $308 below the poverty line. It's about half the minimum wage. Let's go back to the way they're shaving off 
bits and pieces and also uh, gearing the new part start payments to uh, an inappropriate uh, um, gauge. This amount of money is a large amount in pro- a propo- uh, for the person who is living in poverty. And if it's put together, it's a very large amount for a government that's economically ailing. Correct? If an unemployed person loses this supplement, it's hundreds of dollars per year that they're losing. I mean, it's $4 per week. Yeah, it's about $208 just just did the sum here. Well, it's the difference between having a meal and not having a meal every day. Yeah, I mean, that's that's basically basically it. And this is all just done to, to this... The whole thing is justified because they... They want to put the budget back into surplus. I mean, this, this is a saving. It's a budget saving. So they're, they're looking at unemployed people and say, yeah, we can get some money out of you to help help the surplus. So really what the government is saying is that the surplus is more important than you being able to eat. And it's $1.4 billion that is being saved from this measure. That's $1.4 billion that have been taken out directly out of the pockets if this measure goes through, taken directly out of the pockets of unemployed workers. And... The, the, the amount of stories that we get of people who just, you know, just, just really horrifying stories of people living on Newstart and just not being able to, to, to have any sort of semblance of a life is, um, you know, it's just so common that we get these stories. For, for example, on our Facebook, um, we put a post up saying, um, what have you gone without because of Newstart? And we got about hundreds and hundreds of comments um, Streams and streams of people coming through, telling us what happened, what their lives are like. And I'll, I'll read out some of the uh, the comments we got. We got one here from a lady called Helen. <coughs> excuse me, a lady called Helen. There's mum of four on new start, no haircuts, no shoes, no underwear, no dentists, no dermatologists, no car service, no car license, no school fees, no school items, never afford all medications, only ever buy plain brand groceries, no cinemas, no social life. No family outing. Clothing is only secondhand. Barely enough food. Always hungry and tired. Have developed major depression, anxiety, and diabetes. And this is just one of hundreds of comments about people who are just being pushed to the brink because of the starvation rate of Newstart. And and here you have government who have have just passed through a forty thousand um, dollar increase in their payment um, over the next decade. They're saying no. You guys are living it up too much. We're going to cut your payment. I mean, it's just this. And just it's it's a it's a disgrace. It, it, yeah, it's it, I, it. You know, I'm lost for words really tr- trying to describe what sort of society would do that when you've got these people who most affluent people in society are giving themselves a pay rise at the same time they're docking the pay of the the, the unemployment entitlement, which is given to the most poor and vulnerable people in our society that have no other choice but to live on that payment. This whole idea that you can just get out and get a job if you wanted to is just completely flawed. And that's really what's behind all this. Is that you know, If you wanted to, you could go out and get a job, so we're just going to make it tough for you to live because we don't want to make it an attractive life you know, by, <laughs> by making it barely livable. We're going to make a completely unlivable rate of new start so you go out and get a job and stop being so lazy. And you know, we know that's false. Every anyone who's done any study in the area knows that's completely false. But the government is just continually, continuing to push that 
that myth, the myth of the dull bludger and the myth of the lazy unemployed when every stat, even their own stats, indicate that that's not true. For a lot of people, uh, how uh, they can live oh, no, that. I mean, it's, it's not just... Um, it, it's, I mean, that's that. But I've also been hearing anecdotal evidence that people who are being uh, forced, it, well, it's almost like forced labour, isn't it? To, in order to get new start, you have to do what's called uh, you have a contract, you know, where you are supposed to work certain amount of hours at this incredibly low rate of per hour pay. But it's all, it gives license to the people that people are being uh, a group, um, groups of unemployed people are now being warehoused in commercial, semi commercial organisations. Uh, in almost prison-like conditions. And this is happening in Melbourne, and I'm assuming this is happening in other parts of Australia as well. Are you referring to work for the doll? Yeah, work for the doll. I've heard people talking about how they have to go there for a considerable amount of time during the day, quite a long day, you know, like six hours a day or something. They go to a warehouse where it's in the in winter. It's very very cold, concrete floors. They're not allowed to leave the place uh, for, uh, within particular time time frames. They're not allowed to take any photographs fr- on their mobile phone. They're not allowed to communicate with their mobile phone. So basically, they're being uh, treated like they are, and then they do busy work, stuff that's not actually real. Yeah, well, that's we get so many complaints from our members about just how horrific you know doing work for the doll is these days. It's, it's um the, the whole concept is is completely flawed. I mean, why are we forcing all these people who are struggling to get work to do forced labour for about twenty five hours a week when when these people are finding it really tough to make ends meet as it is, and you're forcing them to travel to to this warehouse and just do useless work when they, they they really need to be, be concentrating on on trying to get work. I mean, everyone that we've spoken to effectively about work for the doll says that it takes them away for looking for work, and it, it gets in the way of things that they need to do in their lives to actually rebuild their lives and get back into the in, into work. So it's just um it, it's a thoroughly punitive measure. There's no other way to describe it. It's just punishing poor people for being poor. It's it's almost like a criminalising of the poor because you know. You're unemployed, so because of that, well, you know, you have to sort of face your punishment. And in, in some cases, I've heard people do work for the doll alongside criminals. Like it, it really is that grouping where they they're trying to put unemployed people into that basket, into the you know, it's the us and them sort of situation. You know, unemployed are out there, and they need to sort of have, you know take a long hard look at themselves for for how their lives have ended up. And everyone else is, you know, in, in in work, and they're the normal people. Well, you know, it's just a, it's, it just goes against everything that's happening in the labour market right now, with just the completely low rate of jobs. I mean, as it stands right now, you know, even if everyone filled a job vacancy tomorrow, all the all the all the listed job vacancies by the uh, Department of Employment, there's roughly about 150,000 job vacancies listed by the Department of Employment, and there are about 750,000 unemployed people. These, these people are on new start, let alone underemployed people, which is about another million. So there's, you know, even the government statistics indicate there's about 1.8 million people looking for work, and there's 150,000 job vacancies listed by the Department of Employment. 
it doesn't take a genius to work out that there's a, there's a shortage of jobs. So why are we forcing all those people who have been left out of the system into this punitive arrangement and condemning them to a, to a life of poverty on Newstart and then forcing them to deal with this uh, billion-dollar job agency system, which is run for profit? I mean, it's just a... That's so like. It's a mirror image of what's going on with refugees and the camps. It's an absolute mirror image of refugees being sent to offshore detention centres that are lining the pockets of private corporations. Yes. Yeah, well, that, that's, that's how government is run these days. Um, governments can't do anything themselves, or they, they, it's deemed inefficient to do it themselves, so everything is contracted out to a private agency for profit. And the human cost and the human suffering as a result of that is just, um, it, it just boggles the mind. I mean... Can you just imagine that there's 750,000 people who have to report to a privately owned job agency every month? I mean, we know that the, the, the amount of abuses that go on there, I mean, they have to actually report, you know, sometimes three or four times a week because these job agencies just want to ride these people so hard. And that they force them to do all these sorts of activities, a lot of them not even allowed by the contract just because it, it makes them money. So all, all the job agencies care about is money, and they don't, they don't really care about what's in the best interest of that unemployed worker. And it's just that there's so many big sticks being used at the moment to, to try to you know, bully almost the unemployed back into work without any real acknowledgement that there is no work for them to go into. So it, it, the whole system is just a fundamentally um, punitive and dysfunctional and it's completely out of control. And if, if it continues this way, um, we're just heading to a, a, some sort of social disaster, I believe, where the amount of unemployed and underemployed people who are being bullied and intimidated by their job agencies and who are living deep in poverty because of the low rate of new start and are forced to do work for the dole, um, which is, you know, it, 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 it's going back to, you know, 17th century, 18th century Britain, this sort of behaviour. It's... Um, That's where we're headed. We need to start opposing it right now before it's too late. You're on Stick Together with Annie McLaughlin, Union News and Workers' Stories. Since Owen mentioned that the situation of unemployed people and the relationship between workers and bosses is increasingly returning to the beginning of the Industrial Revolution in the 1800s, I thought it might be a good idea to go back and see how far working people have come through fighting for rights and conditions. Mario Vargas Alosa, in his book The Way to Paradise, follows a real person, Madame Tristan, a contemporary of Marx and Engels, in her crusade for workers' rights. She travelled across France visiting workers at their work sites. She kept a diary, and I thought I would read some short examples to show how the minds of a boss barely changes, while working conditions fought for should never be lost. Her worst experience was in the textile workshops of a former labourer, Monsieur Japin, who was now one of the region's richest men and an exploiter of his erstwhile brethren. Are you sure you want to go down there? He gestured towards a basement workshop. You'll regret it, I warn you. 
80 unfortunates were squeezed into a stifling cave, crowded with three rows of looms in which it was impossible to stand upright because the roof was so low or to move because it was so cramped, a rat hole. She thought she was going to faint. The fiery heat of the furnace, the pestilence and the deafening noise of eighty looms working at once made her ill. She could barely form questions to put to the half-naked, dirty, skeletal beings crouched over their looms. A world of the ghosts, apparitions, the living dead. They worked from five in the morning until nine at night, and the men made two francs a day, women eighty centimes, and children under the age of fourteen, fifty centimes. She returned to the surface, drenched in sweat, her temples throbbing and her heart racing. I warned you, it was no place for a decent woman, Madame Tristan. workday in the five textile factories belonging to the richest industrialists of Avignon was 20 hours long, three or four hours longer than usual, she wanted to meet the man responsible. Monsieur Thomas was perfectly happy to see her. I demand no more of my workers than I demand of myself, he barked at Flora when she, after explaining her mission, reproached him for giving the workers only four hours to sleep. I work from dawn until midnight, personally overseeing the operations of my factories. A franc a day is a fortune for those worthless wretches. Don't be fooled by appearances, madame. They live like beasts because they don't know how to save. They spend what they make on alcohol. I, for your information, never touch a drop. That's it for Stick Together. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Owen Bennett from the Unemployed Workers' Union for talking to us today. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au. You can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time.